You're listening to the God Life Culture Podcast, where faith and what's trending collide. Welcome, welcome back to the latest episode of the God Life Culture Podcast. This is Eddie. What's up, everyone? This is Miguel, and we are so thankful that you are tuned in to another episode of the God Life Culture Podcast. We are excited to, you know, have another opportunity to speak to you and another opportunity uh, for you all to be blessed by our conversations. We want to remind you to hit that subscribe button so you can be notified whenever we drop a new episode. And don't forget to leave that rating, to leave that review. It helps our podcast be put in front of more people so our audience just continues to grow. We want to say hello to all of our new subscribers and all of our new uh, listeners that are jumping on the podcast, that are catching up to all of our previous episodes. We just want to say thank you for joining us on this journey. Eddie, how are you feeling today? Today has been a crazy day. For a lot of our listeners, you're very aware that, you know, I have... Two awesome boys, a four-year-old and a one-year-old. It's really a one-year-old going on 15 and a four-year-old going on 20. Yeah. They're a definite dynamic duo. And days like today where I'm working from home, you know, preparing, I have to preach at the youth service tonight. Um, There's things, other things going on. Had an appointment uh, coming to the house as well. The boys are just jumping off the walls. It's been a crazy day, especially with the little one who, like I said, he's one going on 15 because, you know, he wants to emulate (laughs) everything his older brother is doing. So if the older brother is doing a cartwheel, he's trying to do a cartwheel. The older brother's jumping off the couch, acting like he's Spider-Man. He's attempting to roll over the couch uh, to land on a little Spider-Man stand. So it's been a very crazy day. But aside from all of that, as always, I have to be grateful to God for another day of life. Everyone is healthy. Everyone is alive. Everyone's doing well. So all that other stuff is just part of life. How's everything going for you? Yeah, everything is great. I I definitely can uh, relate to that feeling of whenever you have a day where you have something to do that's very important, whether it's something within your church or your job, everything just, you know, everyone decides to act up that day, right? (laughs) There are distractions, interruptions, a lot of work and different things. So I definitely uh, know that feeling. But like you said, you know, although there is a lot of, you know, craziness and, you know, our schedules are crazy right now, uh, you know, this, we've said this before, this isn't the only thing that we do. So we are involved in many other things, right? And we also have families and all of that, that we, Uh, tend to. So, uh, you know, definitely that feeling of gratitude is something that definitely keeps us in check, right? And um, whenever you have those days where it seems crazy and it seems like you can't handle it, right, that uh, just that element of gratitude definitely kind of uh, centers you and helps you, uh, you know, remember the reason why you're doing what you're doing. And, you know, it definitely helps you focus a bit. So, uh, you know, all of you listeners out there who have those similar feelings and emotions, remember, be grateful, right, for uh, even those tough days, you know. And today, you know, we have a very special guest on our podcast uh, for, um, you know, I mean, I want to say, I guess, since we started this podcast, mental health, we've always talked about it. Yes. We've had different episodes. I was actually looking back um, at the season one episodes a few days ago, all the way, you know, scrolling through Apple <laughs> Podcasts all the way to the bottom. And, you know, we have even like our second 
uh, or third episode, we we touch on mental health. Yes. Um, we have yeah. episodes that ring a bell, like you don't have to drown, right? Yep. Where we talked about depression and all of those things. So um, just a few weeks ago, we had uh, a therapist, right? A yes. systems therapist on the show, uh, Priscilla Berrios. And, you know, many of you guys enjoyed that episode. And we definitely got a great perspective on mental health and therapy and all of those things. And today, you know, we want to continue that conversation. We want to continue that conversation on mental health, its effects, and um, just, you know, how we can all grow and be better. So we have with us a very special guest that I would like you all to welcome to the God Life Culture Podcast, Cedric Horde. So Cedric, can you please say hello to our listeners? Yes, yes. Hello, hello. Thank you guys for tuning in. And ultimately, um, I'm, I'm happy to be here on this platform. <laughs> so thank you for having me. Awesome. Yeah, we're so glad that you're here because, again, we just want to dive into this topic that, uh, you know, we've noticed and we've discussed before that it seems like now a lot of people are drawing their attention to this topic on mental health. They are, you know, seeking, um, you know, more information and guidance on this. But, you know, even before we get into that, we always like to give our guests an opportunity to introduce themselves, give us some background on what they do, who they are. So, uh, Cedric, would you just introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, what you do and all that good stuff. Yes. So once again, uh, my name is Cedric Horde. I am from uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So uh, we have a lot of cold weather here. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's still in the 50s, surprisingly. Uh, but that's where I come from, born and raised. Uh, just a little bit about me. First and foremost, uh, I am a believer um, in Jesus Christ. Um, and like to say that is uh, the lens in which I, I see the world. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of uh, just Christ's sacrifice on the cross for me. Um, apart from that, I'm a husband, I'm a therapist, I'm a spoken word artist. Um, and I guess the the new thing um, that I will be adding to my life is me and my wife, we are expecting our first child. So Nice. Yes. Awesome. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. So that's uh, that's been a new kind of refreshing, exciting thing in, in my life, man. So yeah, that, that's me. So I hope I didn't scare you off with my stories, with my boys. <laughs> <laughs> man, I was definitely thinking about it like, man, that's that's what's to come, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah it definitely <laughs> so. is. And you know what? It's it it comes with its moments as a parent, <laughs> you'll also see. And even now, also, you know, as as your wife starts to begin to show, and I don't know how far along she is, um, you know, they, they, you start to become more careful about things. And yeah. then once some kids come out, man, it's like you're always on high alert Man. and they're always testing you and your limits. And they're like jumping off the fridge, <laughs> jumping off the couch. Uh, but it's all fun and it's a blessing. And it's also, you know, once that chapter opens up your life. And like I said, even now you begin to understand a little bit more about God's love for us mm, and yeah. all of that also. So it's, it's definitely a journey worth yeah. having. Man. Now, you did mention that you are a therapist. Now, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we know that there are different types of therapists and, you know, therapists do different things and all of these things. So can you just give us a little more, um, I guess, background as to what exactly you do and what inspired you or pushed you to want to make this uh, a career, right, to follow this career path? Yes, that, that's a great question. So um, when I was in grad school, I uh, got my master's in clinical and mental health counseling. So I'm a mental health therapist. Um, I guess school of thought therapy wise, I'm 
considered a CBT therapist, CBT being short for cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, and essentially what I do is I really help clients, um, one, become aware of just faulty negative thinkings that, that have impacted their life. Uh, we might see that thinking in, in terms of symptoms, anxiety, depression symptoms, trauma symptoms, and ultimately giving them the, the, the tools, the skills, the perspective in order to challenge those thoughts into more productive, um, accurate narratives about their life. The thing that really, I guess, got me into uh, mental health uh, is just my own journey and my own story. Um, mm -hmm. It's this saying that says, you know, in a lot of research, there is me search, <laughs> meaning that <laughs> um, sometimes we get into things simply because we are trying to, to research and discover things from our own life. So that's very true for me. I'll share briefly. Um, this was really when I was in high school, sophomore year of high school. Uh, my best friend, um, really for the, my entire life, uh, going all the way back to preschool, um, actually passed away in his sleep. He had a, wow. a moment of epilepsy in his sleep um, and unfortunately passed away. It was a very challenging, difficult time for me. Um, but I really say that during that time, even though it was a tragic uh, situation, that's when God really just began to stir a lot in me. Um, and, and, and just I was really in that time, middle school, high school, just really going through my own challenges of depression and low self-esteem, insecurity. And really through his death, I was like, wow, you know, I want to be there for people um, who I wish I had uh, when I was in, in that time in my life. So that was really what kind of spurred this passion really wanted to help people. So going into college, um, getting a psychology degree, learning more about the counseling profession, that's what really led me down this path. So definitely some personal um, testimony and personal story in my path. You know, those are all, you know, I, 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 there's this phrase, I think it's, it's slipping my memory was like be the person you needed when you were younger mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. like that yeah um you know and it is definitely you know with a situation like the one that you went through you know it's like people react differently to things you know mm -hmm. there's people that would have you know ran away from that or and you know be like i don't want to deal with people i don't want to help people yeah. you know whatever that you have the other people um who understand um, and process their grief and they process that situation differently and decide to take the path that you took, which is, you know, I'm going to be there. You know, I want to be there. I want to be available to help people, you know, go through and process whatever feelings or emotions or events that happen in their life that have marked them. Um, and now they have to process all those feelings and stuff. So, you know, that is very commendable. And I know that, you know, we need a lot more of that as well, um, especially in today's day and age, um, and especially from men, you know, having more men be that way as well yeah. um, and not closing off. I think that, and it's something that we'll talk about a little later as well, um, but that, you know, we are stereotyped for men, you know, to, you know, hoard your feelings, Definitely. just keep them deep down inside and then keep it moving. Yes. Um, 
So thank you for for making that career choice, because I know that, you know, through that you have been impacting people, not only on a therapy level and all of that, but also, you know, spiritually with way, the way that God uses you in that as well. Yeah. Switching gears a little bit, you know, we are in the age of technology and in the age of social media. And regardless of what career path you choose, nine times out of 10, everybody uses that uh, social media to, you know, throw out there or put out there, you know, their thing. Singers will sing live, you know, musicians will play, artists will post their stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and also people um, in your field as well, they put up posts that uh, and put up videos and reels, um, you know, whether it's giving out inspirational things or, you know, advice. And recently you posted a, a Instagram reel where you mentioned three things to remember when seeking therapy. And um, for each one of the things that you posted, I would like for you to expand a little bit on each one of those. So the first thing on your list was a diagnosis explains you, yet it doesn't define you. What did you mean by that? Yes, absolutely. Yes, a diagnosis. It only explains you. It doesn't define you. It is simply an explanation of the symptoms that you are experiencing, but that is not the totality of who you are as a person. You know, me being a believer, I have to go back uh, really to the first part of scripture where in Genesis, it says that we were created in God's image. Um, yes. and, and being image bearers, that, that simply means for me that everyone um, was made with dignity and, and value um, and worth. That is really, I think, the core of where our identity starts. Now, obviously, as a believer, my hope is that people um, would move from being an image bearer to now have a relationship with Christ. But I think first and foremost, that's where it starts. Diagnosis, again, it is an explanation. We can look at these explanations to give us context to our situation and why we may respond the way we respond, why we may think the way that we think. But at the end of the day, that is not the totality of who you are. That is not the definition of you as a person. Um, it's kind of the saying um, that I really adopted as well, just in my practice and, and work with people. I really treat people, not diagnosis, right? Um, mm. Considering the whole person and not just seeing them for their specific disorder or diagnosis. Yeah, and I think that's very important because they are people who, you know, they take on their diagnosis, whether, you know, they're, you know, they've been diagnosed with depression or anxiety or, you know, whatever, um, being bipolar. And all of a sudden, that's all they are. That's their only you know, a depressed person. They're only someone who's always anxious um, and understanding that's only part of the situation, but it's not you and your identity as a totality is very important. Yeah. The second thing you posted, uh, the second point on this post was your therapist is a clinician, not a magician. Talk yeah. to us a little about that. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, we don't, you know, as therapists, as much as we want to, we, we don't have a magic wand. We can't make things magically disappear. Um, so, you know, our job is to guide, our job is to educate um, and give the right perspective, have the right knowledge, but the client also has a role to play in this as well. Um, so, you know, we as, we as clinicians, we as, as, as therapists, counselors, social workers, you name it, we can simply give our clients tools, but it is up for the client to actually utilize those tools. 
So as much as we want to, man, we we aren't magicians. We we can't change certain circumstances. Uh, we can't magically make people better, but by giving people the tools necessary and clients using those tools, um, that is hopefully a way to change and healing. Yep. And um, the third part you put was progress always involves process. Yeah, we can't separate those two, man. Process is hard. Um, I know for me, <laughs> I don't like processes. Um, <laughs> but processes are the things that lead to true progress. We can't separate those two things. So if we want to grow in this life, if we want to progress in this life, we sometimes have to go through uncomfortable processes in order uh, for us to get there. Yeah. And I think that's part of understanding also why your clinician is not a, a magician, because you do have to put work into it. Um, and as you put in the work and you put in the exercises or whatever are the tips that are given to you in order to help you, depending on your certain circumstance or situation, little by little, you know, if they are effective, if the, the, the regimen or whatever is given to you is effective, you will see progress. But it is going to take time. It's going to take some tweaking. You know, I think that sometimes there are certain things that um, may be suggested that don't always work, but it doesn't mean, OK, that's it. I'm going to give up. It just yeah. means, OK, that specifically didn't work. So then let's try something different. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think um, another uh, hot topic, right, that especially within the church, I think it affects everyone. But within the church, I think we oftentimes uh, have this uh, strict uh, thought or perspective on and it's the idea of medication. And yeah. sometimes when it comes to medication, it almost seems like, well, if you've received medication for some of these things and you lack the faith and you lack, you know, the belief that God can help you and change you. And, mm -hmm. you know, instead of receiving medication, you should just be praying and seeking the Lord and doing these things. And, you know, you have a reel that you also posted on Instagram where you say that medication will keep you afloat, but you will still have to learn how to swim. And you, you know, went on to say pills without skills will not change the way you feel. Yeah. So, you know, in, in reading all of that and listening to that, you know, and in your experience, do you find that people are quick to want medication to treat their situation as opposed to making changes in their life and in their lifestyle? You know, things like sleep, diet and exercise. Do you think that people just kind of, uh, you know, want the medication and find that it's easier to go that route? I do. I think so. I think for some people, people see medication as a, a quick way out. Medication certainly has its place. Uh, I do think it, it is effective. Um, but I think I also said uh, kind of in that video, medication needs teammates. It needs other things. Right. So we can all we yeah, we could give people pills, um, but we need to give them skills as well. Uh, medication uh, will not help people. Um, make uh, better choices in their life. Medication will not give people the skills necessary to build positive relationships or set boundaries in their life. So you definitely need more than just medication. And I do think, um, man, not getting too much into kind of the pharmaceutical thing and money thing, but I definitely think that plays into it as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes medication is pushed because sometimes it is a money thing. Yeah. Um, but really for my clients, I, I want to give them, again, the full, complete picture, kind of this idea of holistic health. 
Um, so for me, um, and just in my credentialing, I can't prescribe medication. Um, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I can offer medication, but really my job and my role is to help people make those lifestyle changes like you were saying. So how is your sleep? How is your diet? Right. Um, how are you able to challenge some of your negative thinking? Right. Um, what are you doing for self-care? How are you tending to yourself? What are your relationships like, right? So really treating the holistic person, um, I think, is is really a good way to go. You know, and I think it is important to point, point those things out because many a times we don't realize because we're in the thick of things or we're in our own process, our own situation or whatever, don't realize that our lifestyle choices are not helping or making our situation even worse. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things, too, that we see a lot um, that happens career-wise and also within the church, within leadership um, as well, is the idea of people being getting burned out. Yeah. And um, in February, you posted, you know, burnout happens when your projects become your identity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was curious as, you know, someone who, you know, observes people and sees, you know, and has people come in or whatever. You know, what does that look like from the outside looking in when you're looking at someone who you say um, that phrase goes directly with them? Burnout happens when your projects become your identity. What does that look like from the outside looking in? Yeah, I think what that means in in kind of my my frame of mind when I when I posted that um, it was it was honestly a personal thing for me. Um, I think sometimes, especially in this society and even social media, we if we're not careful, we can um, view our worth based on how productive we are, or how much we're posting, or how much we're doing, right? Um, I really got that that idea from um, author, pastor, uh, Peter Scazzaro, has an amazing book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. But really the premise of this book is getting us to realize that more than we are human doings, we are human beings, right? Mm. So uh, sometimes burnout can happen when we start finding our identity in the projects or the things that we are doing. Um, and I even think that can, that can result in ministry. There's nothing wrong with ministry and doing God's work. Um, but if we start finding that as the source of our identity more than God being the source, I think that's when burnout can definitely happen. So it's this idea of having a balance, knowing that at the end of the day, we are human beings, not human doings. And sometimes we just need to be and rest um, instead of constantly grinding and, and making moves, right? We hear all of this in our culture today, uh, but just getting back to just being being restful, being still. Yeah, and I think we throw out this term a lot. You know, we say burnout, right? And we're so used to hearing it and saying it. What does it actually look like, right? So when we've reached a point where we're burnt out, right? Mm -hmm. or, or we say that, oh, they've, they've burned out, they've experienced burnout. What does that mean? What does that look like? Yes, your mood's impacted. So you might be more irritable with people. You might be snappy. Um, your concentration is impacted. So you have poor concentration, um, 
you know, physically you might feel tired and lethargic, just don't have any energy for anything. You will avoid responsibilities, avoid people, you will procrastinate. Um, burnout is just this feeling of, of just dread and I just can't take anything on anymore. So I think it, it, it really impacts us, not only on a psychological level, but a physical level as well. Um, we might feel restless, or to the contrary, we, we might just be so tired, um, where again, we just kind of avoid everything and everybody. You know, thinking about, you know, when we speak about like the description of burnout, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Um, you know, and looking at it from the lens of, you know, something I mentioned in the beginning of the episode and the conversation where you were sharing, you know, what had happened to you when you were younger in high school. Um, and I had made the thing that sometimes as men, you know, we are um, expected or stereotyped to, you know, bottle up those feelings, don't mm -hmm. talk about it, just keep it to yourself. And we can also see a lot um, that burnout may happen a lot to men as well, because they don't have a circle, they don't have the comfortability with sharing with people, yeah. you know, you know, certain situations, whether or not they're struggling, whether or not they need help, whether or not, um, you know, they, they, just want more to be able to just like have a sounding board to like yes. bounce things off of um, as well. And, you know, that brings to mind the idea of like toxic masculinity. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I wonder and I ask you the question whether or not, you know, you know, first of all, what does toxic masculinity means? Mm -hmm. And, you know, does that look different in 2021 than they did maybe in 1991? Mm, that's interesting. Yes. Uh, well, first, you know, the definition um, that is not to say that masculinity in it of itself is toxic. Like we're mm -hmm. not we're not toxic just because we're men. That is to say that there are um, sometimes unhelpful messages and beliefs that we as men have adopted into our life. So you know, men we can't show emotions, or we always have to be strong or tough. Or if we do show emotions, that is a sign of being feminine. Or, you know, even more extreme things, being a man is defined by um, how many girls you can get or money, material things, wealth, mm -hmm. prestige, right? So it's not to say that masculinity of itself is toxic, but the, the messages and beliefs that sometimes we as men get and adopt, that can be toxic. Uh, I think that's really an interesting question though, that you pose, like, does toxic masculinity look different now than it did a few years ago? Um, I would say yes, I think just because I think nowadays in our society, it's just like us having a conversation right now, like the fact that we're able to get to this point, I feel like is very different than, you know, a few years ago, or maybe we think about our, our parents and grandparents, like getting to this point to even be able to talk about this in such an open, vulnerable and candid way, I think is a difference and I think is a change. Um, so yeah, the, the, the term toxic masculinity is fairly new in society, but I think we as men, we are starting to break away from some of these messages which I think is is such a good sign moving forward.
And I think that's great, you know, especially like you said, having these conversations because, you know, if we want things to change and if we want perspectives to change, right, it, it really does start with us. You know, I myself, I see this, you know, sometimes all the time, you know, as a teacher, a high school teacher being shaped, um, you know, in the minds of these, you know, guys who are in school and growing up and going through the emotions and going through, you know, just that stage of growing up where, mm -hmm. you know, society really dictates and and puts in their face what a man is mm. you know and and you see you know the 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 guys that you know feel like they have to be you know the most dominant and yeah. and and the strongest and and they act out in that way and then you have those that you know aren't the strongest and may consider themselves weak and you mm -hmm. see how they have that low self-esteem and insecurity Definitely. you know um as a as a therapist, you know, have do, have you ever found yourself, um, you know, therapist or just as a believer, right? And and an, an adult and you know a person of influence. Have you ever found yourself, um, you know, speaking to someone who uh, had these kind of issues of feeling that low self esteem or insecurity that kind of came from their adolescence or childhood? Yes, yes, yes. So, um, pri my primary population is men. Um, and it is adolescence and, and kind of young adults. So I, I definitely see this, especially with men of, I would say these seeds being planted. And what I mean by that, these seeds that tell them that they're not man enough. So they either feel this sense of inadequacy or this sense of rejection in their life. And as we've been talking about with the toxic masculinity, instead of addressing that or acknowledging that um, sometimes we as men were encouraged to hide that and run away from that so you'll see men who um, married men who might have fallen into infidelity um, simply because of these messages of inadequacy coming up um, i think of one specific client in general um, good man, man of God. Uh, one of the circumstances in his life is that he lost his job, was married, a uh, few children, and he had this message of, you know, men are supposed to provide. So going back to kind of the whole identity piece, him finding his identity in his work, and that was really something he valued. The moment he lost his job, now those thoughts and those messages are targeting his identity, right? I'm not man enough. I'm not good enough. I'm inadequate. So unfortunately, um, that kind of led him down this path of just infidelities, of just trying to feel good enough um, by unfortunately running away from responsibilities and running to other women and other things just to kind of feel this void that he was filling. So yeah, man, I, I definitely see it a lot. Um, and I'll, I'll say this real quick. Um, there's always a why to someone's what. Um, the what is the behaviors that we see, the behaviors that we noticed. The why is simply the context behind the, the behaviors. So the why doesn't, you know, excuse what someone's doing. It just is, it just gives us an understanding to what's underneath and what drives um, people's behaviors, if if that makes sense. 
Yeah, and I think oftentimes we we see the what, right? We see the behavior first and we see kind of how it's expressed and we really don't know the whys, yeah. right? When we look yeah. at other people until you really have the conversation or get to know someone or kind of, you know, uh, you know, get into that uh, mindset where you're you're interested in knowing, you know, what why is this person acting in this way or why every time I mention this, you know, this is like your response or this is how, you know, uh, you act, right? And I think that's, that's very good, uh, you know, for us, you know, and for our listeners to really understand, you know, that statement that we always say, like, you really don't know what other people are going through. You know what I mean? You may see the behavior, you may see how they act out, but you really don't know what's underneath. Yeah. You know, one of the things that has also, because you speak about, you know, uh, for example, that gentleman, his situation was losing his job. You know, there's been a lot of stuff mm-hmm. happening, especially recently. And, you know, we have seen an increase in the political unrest. We have seen an increase on racial tensions, mm-hmm. especially in the last couple of years as well, especially with technology and, you know, us being able to see things that were being hidden and, you know, swept under the rug. You know, my question to you is how has that how have you seen you know you're you're out in the fields or you're with the young people you're with these young men and older men as well um you know how has this affected especially you know specifically speaking about like our black and latino men Mm -hmm. you know all this increase in political unrest and racial tensions how has it affected their mental health yeah i've seen a lot more anxiety um there's a specific client that, that i see now um who was merely riding his bike um, and he, he actually got hit by a car. Uh, thankfully, nothing tragic happened, but he was so fearful of mm-hmm. getting help because the police arrived and he was thinking mm-hmm. that the police would automatically think that he was at fault. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, here you have an example of a young man that didn't do anything wrong in that situation, but because of the things that he's seeing, the things that he's hearing, he has this anxiety of, I, I can't go to the police for help. Right. Um, so I, I, I definitely seen it. I mean, even for me personally, you know, being a, an African-American male, um, um, those times where you see police cars come behind you and I literally feel that tension in my chest. I feel mm-hmm. that tightness in my chest. And in that moment, I have to take deep breaths, right? I have to get out of that mode, out of that anxiety. Um, and, you know, uh, for some of us, it is valid. It is valid based on the things that we've seen. Um, but I think because we're constantly being fed with this political unrest, this racial unrest, it does have a p- tremendous and profound impact on us if we're not careful. Mm-hmm. Even for me, I have to remind myself, you know, we can be concerned about what's happening in society, but we have to make sure we're not consumed um, by what's happening in society. So, man, taking a step back sometimes just from media and, and social media and news, it, it is definitely helpful for our mental health. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it and it is important to have those breaks and those moments of just stepping away and putting your phone down or just shutting off the TV. And it's not 
and it's not a, a, a um, you know, it, you can't consider it to be insensitive or mm-hmm. that that's messed up or that's rude, that you're not staying, you know, with your finger on the pulse of what's happening. Yeah. No, is it sometimes you <laughs> need to disconnect for your own well-being and for your own mental health as Definitely. well, you know, because we also don't want to create a state of mental paranoia yeah. where we're, we're not able to function the way that we're supposed to function because all we are taking in and all we are consuming is all the negative that is happening around the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, the goal of, of us having these conversations, you know, and, and, and speaking about mental health is for us to get better for us to grow. And, you know, if we feel like we need to, you know, seek therapy, right. Or if we feel like we may be feeling some of these things that we, you know, make the right decisions and do what we need to do to grow. Mm-hmm. And like you said, uh, you know, earlier you, you stated, and even on social media, you made an announcement a few weeks ago that you and your wife are expecting, right. Yes. And, um, yes, yes. you know, how can a man, right, or how can the men that are listening uh, work on their mental health in preparation for starting a family, right? I think we often prepare for every stage in our life, right? Whether it's in schooling, whether it's, you know, in in marriage. We sometimes may go to marriage counseling before we get married, right? And in starting a family, how can one kind of uh, work on their mental health to get them ready for that new chapter, it's a great question, man. That's still something I'm still figuring out. I have a tendency to to fast forward life. So I'm already thinking about the child being a teenager and how I'm going to handle that. <laughs> so yeah, I think I'm missing, you know, some <laughs> key milestones. But um, yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I actually, man, I actually posted something literally probably an hour ago, um, something to the effect, is this uh, picture um, basically saying that instead of saying that mental illness runs in the family, just recognizing that as trauma running in the family, and we have the ability to stop certain patterns from happening. And I thought that was such a, a good and different way of looking at it. Almost this idea of, hey, we do have some control in changing the trajectory of what happens in our family. Uh, we hear things like, you know, generational cycles, generational curses. We have the ability to stop those things. So I think um, I'll kind of answer this two ways. Personally, for me, um, coming from traditional family scenarios where men don't always open up or are encouraged to, I think for me as a father, I really want to be able to model um, to my child Um, of what that looks like, what that looks like to um, share and express your emotions in healthy ways, to tell them that vulnerability is actually courage. Vulnerability is not a weakness thing, but it's actually a sign of strength. So I think for me, that's the biggest thing. I think for those listening or those preparing, um, being aware of I'll go back to the inadequacy thing, being aware of the things that make you feel inadequate, especially as a husband or a married or a husband or or a soon to be father that can produce a lot of inadequacy. Mm -hmm. Do I know what I'm doing? Right. Am I a good enough husband? Can I provide? Can I lead my children? Right. Being aware of those vulnerabilities and insecurities that you have instead of running from them, beginning to embrace them, beginning to acknowledge them. 
it is simply okay to be like, even in prayer, like, man, God, this is a, a new chapter in my life. And I don't really know what it looks like or what I'm doing, um, but give me the courage, give me the perspective to be able to, to handle that effectively. Um, yeah. So I, I think that that would be it for me, recognizing your inadequacies, but instead of running from them, in a way, embracing them and acknowledging them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that reminds me of how I felt in that beginning stage of when, you know, we found out we were having, we were, my wife was pregnant with our firstborn and the feeling of, I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the feeling of, and then, you know, especially for men who are in my position as well, who grew up without positive male role models or a father figure and all that other stuff as well, you know, you start to notice that void, that quote unquote void um, in which you're like, man, I didn't, what am I supposed to do? No one taught me, no one showed me or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's true. You have to A, be like, you know what? That is something that I lacked, you know, definitely pray about it and present it to God as well. Um, but also be like, you know what? I am gonna, I may not have had that, and that's okay. Uh, but I'm going to make sure to whatever it was that I felt like I was lacking to bring forth and to pull out of myself uh, to bring to my children as well. You know, because we do, it is possible. You know, you can't just sit on the fact that, oh, I, I'm inadequate or I didn't have it. That's it. No, you, you can. And that's where the grace of God and God's love and his mercy and his greatness comes through where you may not have had that. No one taught it to you, but through God, God deposited that in you and you're able to deposit that into your children moving forward as well and you know the generational curses and all that other stuff as well you know that's also very important too because those are things that through christ we are able to cancel out through christ yeah. we're able to be like you know what that may have gone through all my uncles or i may have gone through all the aunts in the family yeah. but through us it has it will not it's not going to enter um you know and you know being also prayful about it but also vigilant and understanding you know what were certain mistakes that maybe happened yeah. you know in their upbringing that cultivated that within them to be like you know what that's not the route we're going to take amen amen you said um, earlier in the episode uh, that you uh, also do spoken word, and yeah. um, I have seen a lot of your your videos. I myself, uh, you know, have been doing spoken word for a few years now. I have albums out, and one of the things that I know for me, um, this became an outlet, and this became a way for me to really, you know, process yeah. certain emotions and process certain feelings, and yeah. you know, whether it was a prayer, whether it was a conversation, um, you know, the different styles of each poem at the time, and you know, I know for me, I know what that did and how that helped me. Yeah. So my question for you is, you know, when it comes to your spoken word and the things that you release and put out, how has it helped you process emotions and feelings, whether it was, you know, uh, just you know, things that in the, in the practical, really real, uh, like earthly realm, right. Just everyday emotions and feelings. And also kind of in the spiritual realm, right. The, the conversations with God and those prayers, you know, that, that you lift up to him, how have, has your spoken word kind of, uh, bettered your mental health and helped you process all of these things? It's a great question, man. Um, I think for me growing up, um, just in church circles, um, Especially when you're, you know, you're younger. A few years ago, you you didn't see a whole lot of uh, spoken word or ministry being expressed in that way. You know, it was a lot of the singing, uh, it was a lot of the dancing, 
Um, but for me and my temperament, uh, especially growing up in church, I was like, man, Lord, what is what is my gift? I don't have anything, right? Um, so I think for me, God really used poetry, writing, spoken word to really um, boost my confidence. But it really became a way, as you were saying, of just being able to connect um, to the Father in such a, a deep way. Um, I'll share a little bit of this. So I didn't necessarily just start off writing, you know, when I was younger. Um, I didn't really start writing and doing spoken word until college. Um, it was open mic nights at college and, you know, I would go, I would attend, um, and kind of during that time, um, kind of simultaneously, uh, I ran across YouTube videos of, you know, passion for Christ movement and, and seeing the poets there. And it really sparked this interest for me, like, man, I would love to be able to do that and just express not only myself, but just express God's love to people in such a creative way. So that was really kind of the spark plug for me. Um, and it really started out as a ministry opportunity. But like I said, it did tremendously boost my confidence. I was able to um, therapeutically let go and get off certain things that were on my mind, certain things that I was carrying on me. So I definitely agree with what you were saying and, and how it's it's been helpful for you. I think writing, creativity, um, it does such an impact on our brains. It activates certain things in our brains that promote um, better health for us. So I think writing in general or creativity in general has tremendous ways of bettering um, our mental health. So yeah, definitely, man. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, man. And something that you also said that we could highlight is a fact that, you know, whether you're growing up in the church or just, you know, around believers, sometimes you will feel those feelings where you really don't know what your gift is. You don't know what your lane is. You see, you know, people that are pastors or preachers or, you know, teachers and, and you're like, God, I really I can't do any of those things. Right. Mm -hmm. That's not me. That's not who I am. But there is always something that God has for you. Yeah. Right. There is always a lane that he has prepared for you. A Path that he has for you that you can do. And there could be so many other people doing that same thing, but God has given you the grace to do it in your own unique way. And you bring something different to the table. And I think that's something uh, definitely worth highlighting that oftentimes we just may feel like, you know, there's no room for us, right? Because yeah. maybe there's so many other people who do the same thing or are, are you know, um, you know, doing these different things that we just can't see ourselves doing. So I love that you said that. And to our listeners, you know, definitely remember that there is room for you. You know, your gift will also make room for you. And I think that, uh, you know, all of these gifts and talents and abilities that God has given us, you know, it is to make us better, to make our lives better, to make our connection with him stronger. And in that process, I believe our mental health, um, you know, is one of those things that our Savior, our Lord definitely wants us to work on, you know, and definitely wants us to to get stronger in that area. Amen. So, Cedric, we just we just want to thank you for coming on here, for, you know, being open with us, being transparent with us. Um, I would like for you to just give out your socials, where people can find you and um, where they can follow you. Yes. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, I really enjoyed this time. Um, I don't take it for granted or lightly. So thank you, guys. Um, for those that are listening, you can follow me um, on Instagram. It is just my full name, Cedric Dale Horde. 
So C-E-D-R-I-C, middle name D-A-L-E, last name H-O-A-R-D, Cedric Dale Hoard. Um, just one kind of thing all together. You can find me there. Um, also have Facebook as well, also my full name. And you can check me out on YouTube. Also just type in my full name as well if you want to see more spoken word videos, things like that. So yeah, definitely connect uh, with me. Um, and yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Cedric, once again. And for all of our listeners, definitely go and find him on social media. Follow him. He has great videos, great content. Check out his spoken word as well. It's all there. And, um, you know, definitely we, we just want to thank you for coming on here. And we know that all the things that you shared in this conversation definitely um, impacted our our listeners. So thank you. Awesome, man. Thank you. Yes, and definitely all of you who are listening, like I said, go and follow him on his social media. And also be sure to follow our podcast at God Life Culture Podcast on Facebook and on Instagram. We drop our our episodes every Monday, so be sure to hit that subscribe button so you can be notified when we drop a new episode. So once again, Cedric, thank you for joining us, having this conversation with us. To our listeners, be sure to find him on all his social media platforms, his website, Cedric Dale Horde. Google him, he will pop up and you can follow him from there. So we want to thank you guys for taking your time to listen to the latest episode of the God Life Culture podcast. That's God, God Life Culture. Culture. Until next time. See ya. Bye.